الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد إن شاء الله تعالى تري in the madkhal ila ilm al-fiqh the introduction to fiqh we will be starting the four imams al-madhahib al-arba'ah the four imams that are followed we're going to speak about the imam himself and we're also going to speak about nash'atuha wa tatawwuruha we're going to speak about the Imam of the Madhab and we'll also speak about the Madhab itself, its formation and its development and the phases in which it went through and the stages in which it went through. As you can all see, I wrote on the board The five points that we're going to discuss, inshallah ta'ala, today. We're going to cover five things. That's what our class is going to be on, bi-idhnillahi al-kareem. The first one is, At-ta'arifu bi-imam al-madhab. The first imam that we're going to start from with the four madhabs that are followed. Who is that imam? Give you a bit about the Imam in a very summarized, a very summarized biography of the Imam. We won't go into too much details because that will take weeks or probably months. The second thing that we're going to do is we're going to touch on the students of that Imam, Talamiduhu, his students. And so the Imam that we're going to speak about today is who? Al-Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah. So the first one that we're going to start with is Al-Imam Abu Hanifa. So we're going to talk about him and who he is and, and etc. The second thing that we're going to speak about is the students of Al-Imam Abu Hanifa. And we're going to pick the three prominent students of Al-Imam Abu Hanifa. Okay, three. The well-known ones, the prominent students of Imam Abu Hanifa. The ones that we need to know. And they are Abu Yusuf Ya'qub Al-Ansari and Zufar Ibn Al-Hudayl Al-Ambari Al-Tamimi and Muhammad Ibn Al-Hassan Al-Shaybani Rahimahullah. Those are the three prominent students of Al-Imam Abu Hanifa and you need to know who they are. The third one is, or the third point that we're going to discuss today in the class is Murur Madhab Al-Hanafiyyati Bithalathati Atwar. The stages, I'm at the three phases, the three phases, I'm at the three stages in which 
the Hanafi madhab went through. The three stages that the Hanafi madhab went through. The first one is the first one is the beginning, the foundation, the starting point. Every madhab just starts from somewhere, where it initiated from, where it started from. And that stage is from Imam Abu Hanifa up to Al Hassan Al Lu'lu'i rahimahullah. We'll touch on that more bi idhnillahi al kareem. The second one is The madhab now spread a bit And it's going, it's growing It's becoming bigger We'll speak about that inshallah ta'ala The third one is Now the madhab has become established It's been formalized It's been completed now no growing or anything. This is it. This is the madhab now. Those are the three stages that the Hanafi madhab went through. We'll speak about each of those stages and the books that were written in those stages and a bit of discussions regarding it, inshallah ta'ala. The fourth point that we're going to speak about today is ahamul mu'allafat fil fiqh al-Hanafi. In the Hanafi fiqh, what are the most important books that were written? And the books that are written in the Hanafi Madhab are divided into three. Are divided into three. The first one is the most important books that the Hanafi Madhab stand on. It's the backbone of the Hanafi Madhab. And it's what is called Rahirul Riwaya. And it's six books written by Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani. It's Kitab Al-Mabsut, which is also known as Al-Asl, Al-Ziyadat, Al-Jami'u Al-Kabir, Al-Jami'u Al-Saghir, Al-Sayru Al-Kabir, and Al-Sayru Al-Saghir. Those are the six. We'll touch on them, inshallah ta'ala, soon. Rahiru Al-Riwaya. The second books that are written in the Madhab is known as Al-Nawadir. Al-Nawadir are the books that were written that are not the six that I just mentioned. And I'll mention those six, don't worry. I just want you to see what the class will be about today, inshallah ta'ala. And last but not least, Al-Fatawa wa Al-Fatawa wal-Waqi'at. Al-Fatawa wal-Waqi'at. The verdicts that were given in the madhab. The madhab, they applied their fiqh on incidents, right? They now have to apply the fat, uh, the, 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 the masail that were mentioned, they have to apply it on what? On particular incidents. That's the books that talk about it, which is known as Al-Fatawa, the verdicts. I will touch on that, don't worry, inshallah ta'ala. The fifth is Mustalahatul Hanafiya. The Hanafis, they have terms that they use. That's unique for them. Terminologies that the Hanafiya use. So if you read in a Hanafi fiqh book, you need to know these terms or else you wouldn't understand what they mean and that is broken into three inshallah ta'ala terminologies that are in their book where are they mustalahatul hanafiyati fi kutubihim in their books i'll mention them inshallah ta'ala 
The second one is mustalahat allati tata'allaku bil kutub. Terminologies that are regarding the books, about the books. Okay? And I'll give examples and that will make more sense to you inshallah ta'ala. And last but not least, mustalahatu tarjihi wal ara. When they want to strengthen between opinions, they, there's terms that they use or views. If they want to strengthen between it, there are terms which they use. What are those terms? Every madhab, you should know those five things regarding it. Or else, you don't know that madhab. If you don't understand these five things from the madhab al-Hanafiyya, you don't understand it. And I think inshallah ta'ala, since your majority of you are from the subcontinent, this will be very beneficial for you to understand today inshallah ta'ala a lot. To understand this class more than the rest. Because of the land that you're from. This is the most followed madhab. So to understand it allows you to engage with the community. And if you want to call the people to the correct aqeedah, and you want to call the people to that which is right, it's good to know their fiqh. Are we all together? And as for you yourself, as we mentioned last time, studying a madhab is a what? Is it obligatory? We said it's something that makes it easy for you to understand fiqh, right? So, Understanding this will inshallah ta'ala help you a lot. Let's start with the Imam himself, Al-Imam Abu Hanifa. Who is he? Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, his kunya is Abu Hanifa. That's his kunya. What's his kunya? Abu Hanifa. What is his name? Al-Nu'man. Al-Nu'man is his name. His father's name is what? Thabit. His father's name is what? Thabit Ibn Zuta. Ibn Zuta. Kufi. Al Imam Abu Hanifa is from Kufa. Lakin, he's Min Abna'il Faris. He's a Persian man. Al Imam Abu Hanifa was not an Arab. What was he? He was a Persian. Again, his name is An-Nu'man Ibn Thabit. His name is Nu'man and his father's name is Thabit. Ibn Zuta. Ibn? Ibn Zuta Al-Kufiyu. Imam Abu Hanifa was born in Kufa. Where was he born? He was born in Kufa when the year was 80, 80 Hijriya. The 80th, 80 Hijriya. That's when he was born. And Imam Abu Hanifa is an Imam fil fiqhi bi ijma'. He's an Imam who's considered from the fuqaha, the jurists. By consent. Are we all together, brothers? By what? By consent. 
scholars have unanimously agreed upon in what? Ala imamatihi fil fiqh. That is an imam in fiqh. And that, anna qawlahu, that his speech is mu'taddun fil khilaf. That al-imam Abu Hanifa, his disagreement is given weight. Are we all together, brothers? Remember this. When the scholars agree on something, if another scholar goes against that, can you say there's an ijma' in the issue? All of them agree on something, and then an imam says, I don't agree with you all. The scholars just say, yes, his, his disagreement with them is given weight if he's from the what? He's from the mujtahideen. Sah? Al-imam Abu Hanifa's khilaf, his disagreeing is given weight. That means he's a what? He's a mujtahid. Rahimahullah ta'ala. Fawa faqihun bila mudafa'ah. He's a faqih, a jurist, without a dispute, without argumentation. Rahimahullah ta'ala. And no one rejected the statement of Al-Imam Abu Hanifa in fiqh. Meaning they didn't reject him for his views in fiqh, no. Okay? Because they considered him from the fuqaha who was entitled to speak about fiqh-related issues. That doesn't mean everything he said was right, no. But they did give weight to his statement and his speech, rahimahullah ta'ala. And they actually praised him for that. They praised him for his fiqh, they praised him for his knowledge, and they even praised him for his wara, how pious he was, rahimahullah ta'ala. And from my research, there were four people that I came across in their biography they were mentioned to have prayed the whole night not part of the night but what? the whole entire night four people's biography I read it in I'll give you two and I want you guys to tell me research the other two one is Al-Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah and the second one is Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu ta'ala anhu the other two, that it's upon you guys to find out who they are. Four are those which I came across that they used to revive the whole night. Imam Abu Hanifa's wudu from Isha, it was said in his biography, he would use it for his fajr. Rahimahullahu rahmatan wasi'a. I'm going to give you guys some incidents of how he was strong in knowledge and in comprehension of the religion. His teacher, Hamad ibn Abi Sulaiman. Hamad ibn Abi Sulaiman is the teacher of who? Al-Imam Abu Hanifa. And Al-Imam Abu Hamad ibn Abi Sulaiman, he died the year 120 Hijriah. One day he was asked a mas'ala. He was asked a question. This is the teacher of Al-Imam Abu Hanifa. Hamad ibn Abi Sulaiman was asked a question in what? Mas'alatun fi talaqi, a mas'ala in divorce. So Abu Hanifa was sitting there. His teacher answered the question. His teacher answered the question. And Imam Abu Hanifa listened attentively to the verdict that his teacher gave. And he felt that his teacher was not right in what he said. The verdict that his teacher gave, he felt, Abu Hanifa felt, that it was incorrect. So what did he do? He 
discussed the answer with his teacher. And he kept arguing his point al Imam Abu Hanifa Hatta Sakata Hamad ibn Abi Sulaiman until Hamad ibn Abi Sulaiman went quiet. He didn't know what else to say. Because of the hujjah and the proof that Abu Hanifa was providing. Then Imam Abu Hanifa stood up and he left. What did he do? He stood up and he left. When he stood up and he left, his teacher Hamad ibn Abi Sulaiman and he said, This man, Abu Hanifa, with his fiqh, Allah has also given him the strength and the ability to what? He revives the whole night. With his fiqh, he's a man who prays all night. Who said that? If a student said it, student will praise his teacher. But when a teacher praises his student, that's big. That is what? That is big. So Imam Abu Hanifa, this was what he was known for. He wasn't just a person who had knowledge, brothers. But he was a person who was known to live by that knowledge. قَلْبًا وَقَالِبًا In his heart and also in his private affairs. وَلِذَلِكَ The more we learn, brothers, and the more knowledge that we attain, the more that we should be fearful of Allah, and the more that we should what? We should, ca- we should watch the way we carry ourselves. And our relationship with Allah Azza wa Jalla should be very strong. It should be very strong. Shu'bah ibn al-Hajjaj, Abu Bistab al-Ataki, who died in the year 160 Hijriah. Shu'bah. Shu'bah is from the great scholars of hadith. What is he? From the great scholars of hadith. When he was told that Abu Hanifa died, he said, Shu'bah, Abu Hanifa died today. He said, Rahimahullah ta'ala, Laqad dhahaba ma'ahu fiqhu ahli al-Kufa. The fiqh of the people of Kufa, Abu Hanifa took it all. Meaning, the fiqh of the people of Kufa is buried with him. Who's saying this, brothers? Shu'bah. Shu'bah is from the great grounded scholars of hadith. Are you with me, brothers? And they say Shu'bah was the first man who went to verify narrations. Shu'bah was the first person to do it. Al-Husayn ibn Waqidin, he said, Waqa'at mas'ala fi maru. We were in maru. An issue came up. What came up? An issue came up. Falam ahad, falam ajid ahadan ya'rifuha. Al-Husayn ibn Waqidin, he said, I didn't know, I did not find anyone who can answer this question. An issue happened, I needed an answer, there was no one to give me an answer. So then I went to Iraq. I left Maru, I just went to Iraq. Imagine, he left the whole place, no one was able to answer. So he said, I came to Iraq. When I came to Iraq, I met Sufyan al-Thawri. فَسَأَلْتُ I asked Sufyan al-Thawri. فَقَالَ لِي Sufyan said to me, Ya Hussein, Hussein, أَنَا لَا أَعْرِفُهَا I don't know what you're asking me. I don't know the answer. This was after until this was after he put his head down for a while. I mean, when he asked him the question, Sufyan al-Thawri, he put his head down. 
He thought, thought, thought. He looked at him and said, I don't know the answer. And this was after Sufyan al-Thawri put his head down for a long time. Then look what Al-Husayn ibn Waqidin said to Sufyan al-Thawri. He said to him, La ta'rifu wa anta imamu dunya. You don't know it and you're the imam of the world at this time. You don't know the answer to this question. And brothers, this will happen to you in your life. An issue that you said, I don't know. Somebody will say to you, really? You don't know it? This should not make you speak with no knowledge. Be persistent in saying, I still don't know. Because the day of judgment, you'll be questioned for speaking about that which you don't know. وَلَا تَقُولُوا لِمَا تَصِفُوا أَلْسِنَتُكُمُ الْكَذِبَ هَذَا حَلَالٌ وَهَذَا حَرَامٌ لِتَفْتَرُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبِ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَفْتَرُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبَ لَا يُفْلِحُونَ قُلْ إِنَّمَا حَرَّمَ رَبِّيَ الْفَوَاحِشَ مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا وَمَا بَطَنَ وَالْإِثْمَ وَالْبَغْيَ بِغَيْرِ الْحَقِّ وَأَنْ تُشْرِكُوا بِاللَّهِ مَا لَمْ يُنَزِّلْ بِهِ عَلَيْهِمْ سُلْطَانًا وَأَنْ تَقُولُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ مَا لَا تَعْلَمُونَ To say about Allah that which you don't, that which you have no knowledge of. وَالْكُلُّ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْمَنَاحِ الْأَرْبَعَةِ يَقُولُ لَا أَدْرِي فَكُلْ مُتَّبِعَةِ All the scholars, whenever they were asked a question and they didn't know, what did they say? Allahu A'lam Are you with me, brothers? وَلِذَلِكَ the scholars, they say the shield of a scholar is Allahu A'lam لا أدري If he doesn't use that shield, the arrow will hit him أُصِيبَتْ مَقَاتِلُهُ There's an arrow coming at you the way to protect yourself from that arrow, what is it? Allah has given you that shield that you can run to, which is لَأَدْرِي Allahu A'lam You saved yourself. So don't say what you don't know. وَلِذَلِكَ سُفْيَانَ الثَّوْرِي Look what he said after Al-Husayn ibn Waqidi said to him, you don't know. You're, you're Sufyan al-Thawri, you're Imam al-Dunya. Look what he said to him. He said, أَقُولُ كَمَا قَالَ ibn Umar. I'm just saying to what Ibn Umar said. Because Ibn Umar said the same thing. He said when he was asked a question, he said, Allahu A'lam. All I'm saying to you is what Ibn Abdullah Ibn Umar said. Are you with me, brothers? It's not an embarrassing thing to say, I don't know. It's got two benefits. Many more, but two main benefits. Number one, when you say, I don't know, it will make you go and research, inshaAllah ta'ala. Because acknowledging you don't know is the first step of wanting to know. Second one is, it shows your piety and your fearfulness of Allah Azza wa Jal. That you don't want to speak about his religion. Are you with me brothers? So Sufyan al-Thawri said, I don't know. And Al-Husayn ibn Waqidin rahimahullah, he left. When he left, he came to Abu Hanifa. And he asked Abu Hanifa the same question. فَأَفْتَانِي فِيهَا Abu Hanifa gave a verdict. So this is the answer. When he gave the answer, Al-Husayn al-Waqidin, he said, I went and I told the answer to who? Sufyan al-Thawri, because he can benefit from the answer as well, because he doesn't know it. Sufyan al-Thawri said to him, after thinking for a while, he said, Ya Hussein, O Hussein, huwa ala ma qala laka. it is as Abu Hanifa told you. The answer to the question is exactly what Abu Hanifa told you, Rahimahullahu Ta'ala. It is correct. Who is saying that is correct? Sufyan al-Thawri, Rahimahullahu Ta'ala. Al-Hassan ibn Salih, and he said, 
كان النعمان بن ثابت ابو حنيفه واز فاهما مين فاهما يعني فقيها he was a faqih rahimahullah ta'ala ولذلك one of the things that was said about Abu Hanifa was that if Abu Hanifa told you a pillar was made out of gold, he can convince you. He had the ability to convince. So eloquent, they can convince a person that this istawana, this pillar is made out of gold and he will convince you. He was so eloquent and so strong in his arguments that he can beat you in an argument and then take your place again and then beat you on the other side. Imam Abu Hanifa, that's what he said about his tarjama. He could take a position, beat you in that, from that side, and then take your place and beat you, or the place that you were upon, and still prove to you that you didn't know. And Imam Abu Hanifa, he lived in Kufa, and in Kufa, there was the belief of the Shia. Very prev- it was very prevalent, it was common. And in that situation, Abu Hanifa had the strength and the ability to do tarahum ala Uthman ibn Affan. He used to make rahmah on Uthman ibn Affan. وَلِذَلِكَ سَعِيدِ بْنَ أَبِي عَرُوبَةِ He said, قَدِمْتُ الْكُوفَةِ I came to Kufa. فَحَضَرْتُ مَجْلِسَ أَبِي حَنِيفَةِ I came to the gathering of Abu Hanifa. فَذَكَرَ يَوْمًا And he mentioned Uthman ibn Affan. And then he said, رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَ عَنْهُ this is Kufa, the power and the strength. There's the Shia who don't want Uthman to be tarahum ala Uthman. They don't like it. Are you with me, brothers? So Sa'id ibn Abi Aruba said, I saw him say, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, Abu Hanifa. And then I said to him, you're going to give tarahum ala Uthman? Meaning not that you shouldn't, but it's not the place. Something happened to you here. And he said, there I realized the value and the greatness of this man, Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah ta'ala. Imam Shafi'i said, Shafi'i said about Abu Hanifa, he said, Man arad al-fiqh, anyone who wants fiqh, fahuwa he is in need of what? Ala Abi Hanifa, he is in need of who? Abi Hanifa, rahimahullah ta'ala. So Abu Hanifa was known for what? He was known for al-fiqh wal-ra'i wal-tadqiq. He had the ability to go deep into issues. Rahimahullah rahmatan wasi'a. Abu Hanifa had a lot of students, but three are most prominent students of his. And I've written on the board the three students that he has. The first of them, the first of them is Abu Yusuf. Ya'qub ibn Ibrahim al-Ansari who died in year 182 he died when? 182 he rahimahullah he was the majority of the times he was of the opinion of Imam Abu Hanifa but there were times he differed with Abu Hanifa rather he differed with Abu Hanifa a lot he differed with him a lot, rahimahullah. And this shows you something. Which was what? That these scholars, they nurtured their students upon the respect, the veneration, the honoring of what? The delil and the evidence. Walidhalika al-Imam Abu Hanifa didn't see it as a problem. His student differed with him. 
that he followed the evidence and that he followed what was right. So Abu Yusuf, he differed with his teacher in many issues. And Abu Yusuf, he became a Qadi. Qadi means what? A judge. Lakin Qadi is not just a judge. A Qadi is a what? The Supreme Court. Has a big mansab. It's a big position. It's an official, official government position. A Qadi can arrest people. A Qadi can put you behind bars. He has power, he has strength. Abu Yusuf had Qadha. Two of the leaders of the Abbasi Khilafah. The first one was Al-Hadi and the second was Harun al-Rashid. Those two Khilafahs, he was the Qadi. Rahimahullah. The second student is Zufar ibn al-Hudayl al-Ambari al-Tamimi who died the year 150, 158. He's from the senior students of Imam Abu Hanifa, from the senior students of Imam Abu Hanifa. And he was well known for fiqh. He was known for his fiqh. And it was said that about him, that he was the best of the students of Imam Abu Hanifa in terms of qiyas, analogy. To the extent that when Abu Hanifa was about to die, he gave his seat, his chair, to Zufar. Zufar was what? He was the Khalifa, meaning the one who took the position of Imam Abu Hanifa when he was on his deathbed. Imam Shafi'i, who, who did he give his position to before he died? Abu Yaqub al Boyti. And Imam Abu Hanifa, who did he give it to? He gave it to Zufar. Zufar ibn al-Hudayl Zufar ibn al-Hudayl al-Ambariyu al-Tamimi The third student is Muhammad ibn al-Hassan al-Shaybani Muhammad ibn al-Hassan al-Shaybani He is called Rawiyatul al-Madhab Muhammad ibn al-Hassan al-Shaybani is called what? What is he known as? He's known as Rawiyatul al-Madhab The narrator of the Madhab The narrator of the Madhab we will, mention, we, will t- we will show why he was called the Rawiyatul Madhab. Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani, when Abu Hanifa died, do you know how old he was? He was only 18 years. He was only 18 years of age. One eight. 18. That's all he was when Imam Abu Hanifa died. And so then that gave him the chance to do what? To benefit from who? Al-Imam Malik, rahimahullah. Walidhalika, he's from the ruwat of the Muwatta. Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani is from the narrators of the what? The Muwatta of who? Al-Imam Malik. He narrated the Muwatta from Al-Imam Malik. And he also took from Sufyan al-Thawri, rahimahullah ta'ala. But he stayed close with Imam Abu Hanifa for, for a good portion of time. Are you with me, brothers? Imam Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani, he was praised for two things. By who? By Imam Shafi'i. Shafi'i praised him for two things. Number one, his fiqh. He praised him for the fiqh of Imam 
Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani. And he also praised him for what? His eloquency and how he spoke. The fasaha. And remember, Shafi'i praising you for your Arabic, that's something good. Because Shafi'i himself was an imam in what? The language. When he came to Iraq the first time, who did he choose to live with? And who did he choose to stay with? He chose to stay with Muhammad Hassan al-Shaybani. And we'll speak about that, inshallah ta'ala, when we go to the, the life of Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah. Muhammad Hassan al-Shaybani was very, very big. He was chubby. Very, very chubby. And Al-Imam al-Shafi'i said, لا يفلح السبيل A chubby person is never going to be successful after Muhammad Hassan al-Shaybani. Who said this? Al-Imam al-Shafi'i said. Even though Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani was chubby, they said that this was not because he ate a lot. لأنه كان يصوم صوم داود. He used to fast and fasting of Dawood. كان يصوم يوما ويفطر يوما. Are you with me, brothers? ولذلك look what Shafi'i also said about Muhammad Hassan al-Shaybani. He said, ما رأيت قط. Shafi'i said, I never saw in my life رجلا سمينا أي chubby man أعقل منه مصماتا من محمد حسن الشيباني وكان أفصح الناس and he was the most eloquent of people كان إذا تكلم if he spoke and he opened his mouth to speak خيل إلى سامعه أن القرآن نزل بلغتي it was as though the Quran came down on his language the way he spoke his Arabic شافي saying this so he's very smart. وَلِذَلِكَ Shafi'i and Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani, they had a lot of arguments. And Shafi'i was a young boy, young, young boy, very young, when he came to Iraq to visit Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani. And they argued a lot. But the arguments are documented. From the things that they argued was, who's more knowledgeable? Abu Hanifa or Imam Malik? Who's more knowledgeable? So Imam al-Shafi'i was on the side of Imam Malik being more knowledgeable. And Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani was of the opinion, Abu Hanifa is more knowledgeable, his teacher. Each person is holding on to their teacher. So Shafi'i said to him, Shafi'i said to Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani, he said, by Allah, I ask you by Allah, who knows the Quran more? Malik or Abu Hanifa? But I, Allah, I ask you, Muhammad. Muhammad ibn Hassan, Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani said, Al-Imam Malik. He said, by Allah, I ask you, who knows the Sunnah more? Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani said, Malik. Malik knows the Sunnah more. Then Shafi'i said to him, the third thing that's left is Qiyas. Who else do you do qiyas on? The Quran and the Sunnah. So Malik is more knowledgeable. And all of the books that I try to read this debate from, Al-Intiqab by Ibn Abdul Barr and Dhahabi mentions Sir Alam Nubala and Subki mentions Tabaqat al-Shafi'i and all of them, they never carry on the story from there. They never mention what happened after that. It's always up to them.
So now we've spoken about Imam Abu Hanifa and we've spoken about his three his three students. The three students were who? Abu Yusuf, Yaqub, Yaqub ibn Ibrahim al-Ansari, rahimahullah. The second student is who? Zufar ibn al-Hudayl, al-Ambariyu, al-Tamimiyu. And the third student is who? Muhammad ibn al-Hasan, al-Shaybaniyu, rahimahullah ta'ala. Now we're going to go into the third point, inshallah ta'ala. We're going to go into the third point, which is the stages that the madhab went through. The first stage is This stage is where the madhab started. And who did I, what did I say here? This is the first one, which is This is where the madhab is started. So what does the word nushu' mean? Nasha'a means to start, where it started from, where it was formulated. That's the first stage. This is from the time of Al-Imam, the time of Al-Imam Abu Hanifa himself, rahimahullah ta'ala, until the time of Al-Hassan ibn Ziyad al-Lu'lu'i. So from what time? From whose time? Abu Hanifa himself, up to the time of... So this stage is Abu Hanifa, Up to Abu Hassan Ibn Al Lu'lu'i. Which is two hundred and ten. Ah, two hundred. I'm at two hundred and four, two hundred and ten, or even more. Two hundred and four. 204. This is the beginning. From what? From whose time? Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, the Imam of the Madhab himself, to the time of Al Hassan bin Ziyad Al Lu'i. Abu Hanifa to the time of Al Hassan bin Ziyad Al Lu'i, which is 200 and 204. At this stage. At this stage, we have six books. What do we have in this stage? We have six books. The first one is Al-Asl. What is it called? Al-Asl. That's the first book. Kitab Al-Asl. Which is also known as Al-Mabsut. It's also known as what? Al-Mab-Sut It's also known The second one is Al-Ziyadat Al-Ziyadat That's the second book The third book is Jami' Al-Kabir 
The fourth one is Jami' As-Saghir Five is As-Sayru As-Sayru Al-Kabir And the sixth one is As-Sayru As-Saghir So it's Al-Asru Aziyadat Jami'u Al-Kabir Jami'u Al-Saghir Al-Sayru Al-Kabir Ana Al-Sayru Al-Saghir Al-Sayru Al-Saghir These six books were written in what stage? And these six books, brothers, is what is called Zahirul Riwayah. The Hanafiya, they call those six books Zahirul Riwayah. All of those six books is written by Muhammad ibn Hassan al Shaybani. Are you with me? This six books, it's the strongest six books in the Hanafi Madhab. The strongest. It's the highest level. Highest level. It's Tabakatul Ula. The first level. Are we all together? Am I making sense here? So this is what happened at that stage. The Madhab was being... The madhab was being made, the madhab was being formulated, and etc. Then came the second stage, which is Tawru Tawassu'i wa Numu. The madhab, this was just the beginning of the madhab. Now the madhab spread around the world. It's growing, it's, people are putting their efforts in. Are we all together, brothers? Here, what started to happen was Two types of books were being made What were they? Mukhtasarat Summarized books Books were being summarized Because these are six books, they need to be summarized all six of them need to be what? They all need to be They all need to be summarized All six of them need to be what? Summarized So one of the books that summarize all of them Is The Kitab Al-Kafi By Al-Hakim Al-Shaheed Al-Hakim Al-Shaheed What did he do? He summarized all of these six books in a kitab called what? Al-Kafi You wrote a kitab called Al-Kafi Also at this stage From the Mukhtasarat The summarized books that were written Is Mukhtasar Al-Quduri Mukhtasar Al-Quduri Quduri It was written as well Summarized book Mukhtasar Al-Tahawi Mukhtasar Al-Tahawi 
But here, what is it that they're trying to summarize here? What are they trying to summarize? They're trying to summarize the four Imams. Who are the four Imams? Number one is Abu Hanifa. They want to summarize all of his views. Who else? The three students. The three students. Abu Yusuf, Yaqub ibn Ibrahim al Ansari, Zufar ibn al Hudayl, and Muhammad ibn Hassan al Shaybani. They have four views. This is where the Muqtasarat came. The Khurasa and the summary of the of, the, of, the, of those four. What books were written? Al Kafi, by who? Al Hakim al Shaheed. Muqtasar al Tahawi. Who's Al Tahawi? Imam Abu Ja'far Al Tahawi. Do you know who? Do you know who he is? Aqidat Al Tahawi. He's the one who wrote it, right? Al Imam Al Tahawi, like he was originally what? He was a Shafi'i. What did he do? He left Madhabu. Do you know who his uncle is? His maternal uncle. Al Imam Muzini. Muslim is a student from Imam Shafi'i. Are you with me, brothers? Ismail ibn Yahya al Muzani, the one whose aqidah we did book, Sharh al Sunnah, is, is his sister, Muzani's sister, gave birth to Abu Ja'far al Tahawi. Are we all together? That's his maternal uncle from his mom's side. Does that make sense? Tahawi is, uh, Muzani is his what? His maternal uncle. Something happened between them two. They must have discussed an issue. And Imam Muzani said, listen. Shafi'i said, this, be quiet. But how he goes, but uh, evidence and discussion, he didn't like it. Muzani didn't like it. He was a bit harsh on Tahawi. Tahawi said, I leave this madhab and everything. I have nothing to do with you, Shafi'i. Muzani found out. He said, you left madhab who? You, le- you, you, you left Madhab al-Imam al-Shafi'i for who? Imam Abu Hanifa? He said, Wallahi, by Allah, you're never going to be a faqih. You and fiqh are going to be two different. Because the enmity between the Shafi'i and the Hanafiya was very high. It was very strong. صح? Those are the two biggest Madhabs that fight a lot. So Imam Tahawi, of course, he grew, his, his uncle died, he grew, he gained knowledge, he wrote Mushkil Athar, which is one of the best books when it comes to a hadith that seem to be contradicting themselves. What he does is he reconciles between the hadith ala madhhabil hanafiyyah. He will reconcile between the two hadith, like in based on the Hanafi madhab. I promise you, brothers, when you read that book, you want to be a Hanafi. Honestly, the way he does it is magnificent. You know what he said? He said, if my uncle was alive, he would have to do a kafara for the oath that he made. Because now I've become a faqih. <laughs> he said, now I became a... I'm now a faqih. If only my uncle was alive to see the way I'm doing things. And what I've become, he would have to do a kafara for what he said about me, that I won't become a faqih. So at this stage, Muqtasarat, summarized books were written. Books that were summarized were written and the Hanafis were given a lot of importance uh, to them. 
and there were many I mentioned to you that Al-Kafi is very good when they say Al-Kitab and they go quiet the book which one do they mean? we mention it later here but they mean Mukhtasar Al-Quduri Mukhtasar Al-Quduri that book is very powerful in the Hanafi Madhab so it falls under here are we all together brothers? it's in there also from the books is Bidayatul Al-Mubtadi Bidayah Al-Mubtadi we're going to touch on it later Bidayatul Mubtadi is written by Al-Marghinani Marghinani he explained that book with the Kitab Al-Hidayah and the Hidayah is the Kitab that the Hanafiyyah they, they I mentioned this before huh? Inna Al-Hidayah Al-Quran Qad Nasakhat Ma Allafu Qablaha Min ما ألفوا قبلها في الشرع من كتبي فاحفظ قواعدها واسلك مسالكها يسلم مقالك من زيغ ومن كذب They said كتاب الهداية it abrogated all of the fiqh books just like the Quran what did it do? it abrogated all the previous previous scriptures right? when the كتاب الهداية by Marghinani came it abrogated all of the other madhab books everything Look what he said, إِنَّ الْهِدَايَةَ كَالْقُرْآنِ It's like the Qur'an. It abrogated all of the other books. مَا It hasn't been authored in it, a book like it. فَحْفَظْ قَوَاعِدَهَا Memorize its principles. Memorize what's in it. What will happen? يَسْلَمْ مَقَالُكَ مِنْ زَيْغٍ وَمِنْ كَذِبٍ Your speech will be far from lying and incorrectness. If you stick to Kitab al-Hidayah, you'll be safe. This book, the Hanafiyyah, they praised it and over a hundred explanations, Hawashi and this and that has been placed on it. One of the best books that have been placed on it is of course, the Kitab al-Hidayah, is the Kitab Fathul Qadir by Kamal al-Hummam, rahimahullah, Kamal ibn Hummam, rahimahullah ta'ala. Daru Nawadir published it. It's best taba'ah for it. It's also from the Muhtasarat. Oh, this is from the Shuruh. The second one is Shuruh. Explanations came out now. These books, these Muhtasarat got explained now. And I gave an example, which is um, the Kitab al-Hidayah, which is explanation of Bidayat al-Muntahi, Bidayat al-Mubtadi. Now we're going to move on to the third stage. What is the third stage? Tawru al-istiqrar. Tawru? Tawru al-istiqrar. Did I mention Tawru Tawassu' where it started from, where it finished? No, no. It started from the time, the, uh, from who? Al-Hasan bin Ziyad al-Lu'lu'i, which was 200 and what? For to the time of Abil Barakat al-Nasafi, who died in 710. This one. Tawru Tawassu'u wa numu It's from 204 to where? 204 up to 700 and what? 10. Abil Barakat. Abi al-Barakat. Al-Nasafi, Abil Barakat, Al-Barakat. 
النسفي أبي البركات عبد الله بن أحمد النسفي 710 ولذلك listen to this individual um, أبي البركات النسفي they call him خاتمة المجتهدين he was the last Hanafi mujtahid they call him khatima the seal of the mujtahidin are you with me brothers like they call Ibn Abidin Ibn Abidin they call him what khatimatul muhaqqiqin are you with me brothers we'll talk about that later في مصطلحات الحنفية لكن أبي البركات عبد الله بن أحمد النسفي he is what khatimatul mujtahidin he's the last Hanafi mujtahid according to them according According to them. Then what started was what? Tawrul istiqrar, which is the third one, this stage. Tawrul istiqrar. What does Tawrul istiqrar mean? The madhab has now become rooted, it's grounded now. Are you with me, brothers? This is from the time of Abi al Barakat Ahmad ibn Abi al Barakat Abdullah ibn Ahmad al Nasafi, which was 710 up to today. Up to? Today. Then the Hanafi Madhab it went through it went through three stages. The first stage that the Hanafi Madhab went through is which is from Al Imam Abu Hanifa's time up to Al Hasan bin Ziyad Al Lu'lu'i, which was two hundred and four. From Al Hasan bin Ziyad Al Lu'lu'i up to Abil Barakat, Abdullah ibn Ahmad al Nasafi, which was 710. That stage is called what? Tawru at Tawasu wa Numu. And the third one is what? Tawru al Istiqrar. Tawru al Istiqrar was from Abil Barakat, Abdullah ibn Ahmad al Nasafi, which was 710 up to the, this day today. Including what? Including the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire, what, what, what madhab did they follow? They were Ahnaf. And they did something unique that wasn't done before. They did taking the Hanafi madhab and making it into what? A constitution. Articles. Are you with me, brothers? Does anyone know what they, what they called it? Does anyone know? Homework. What was it called? What was that book called? Okay, research. It's your homework, inshallah ta'ala. And that's when it really got big force because of a, a whole entire empire built on it. Are you with me, brothers? And at that time, the fuqaha and the Hanafi jurists came together and they made it into a const- articles. Based on which madhab? Hanafi madhab. Um, that is Tawrul Istiqra'ar until today. Until? Until today. Now we're going to go into Ahamul Mu'allafati fi al Hanafi. We spoke about it, right? The books that were written. We touched on that. We mentioned the first one is Zahirul Riwayah. And Zahirul Riwayah we said is what? It's a six here. Al Aslu, which is also known as Al what? المبسوط الزيادات جامع الصغير جامع الكبير السير الكبير أن السير الصغير. Now we're gonna go into the مصطلحات الحنفية. The terminologies that the Hanafis use. 
the terminologies that the Hanafi use. Like when you read their books, there are terminologies in which they use. And we broke it into how many? Into three, inshallah ta'ala. The first one is Mustalhatul Hanafiyati fi kutubihim. Terms that you will find in their books when you're reading it. Example is, they use the word Al-Imam. I'm going to go over it fast. If you can write it, write it. If not, you can go to the video, inshallah ta'ala. This is all the first one, which is Mustalahatul Hanafiyati fi kutubihim in their books. If they say Al-Imam, who do they mean? For example, Qalil Imam, when they say the Imam said, they mean Abu Hanifa rahimahullah. You have to know that. What about if they say Al-Imam Al-A'zam? They mean Abu Hanifa as well. What about when they say Al-Imam Al-Thani, the second Imam? Al-Imam Al-Thani. If they say that, they mean Abu Yusuf rahimahullah. If they say Al-Imam Al-Thalith, the third Imam, if they say that, they mean who? Muhammad ibn al-Hassan al-Shaybani rahimahullah. That's who they mean. The third Imam when they say that. What about if they say Al-Imam al-Rabbani? If you see that in their books, Al-Imam al-Rabbani. They mean Muhammad ibn al-Hassan al-Shaybani. What about when they say Al-A'immatu al-Thalatha? The three Imams. Al-A'immatu al-Thalatha. They mean Abu Hanifa, Abu Yusuf, and Muhammad ibn al-Hassan al-Shaybani rahimahullah ta'ala. What about when they say al-Shaykhan? The two shaykhs. Who, which two shaykhs are they referring to? Abu Hanifa and Abu Yusuf. Do you not think they mean Bukhari or Muslim? And do you not think they mean Abu Bakr and Umar? Are we all together brothers? It's very problematic if you don't know these terms. Sometimes some people are reading Hanafi books or Shafi'i books or whatever and they will see these terms and they will say, Wallahi Bukhari Muslim said this. Are you with me, brother? Abu, Abu Bakr and Umar said this. You would have to first of all understand that madhab, what they mean by these terms. It's important. What about if they say, As Sahibaini? As Sahibaini, when they say that, As Sahibaini, the two students. They mean Abu Yusuf and Muhammad bin Hassan al Shaybani. What about when they say Al-Akharayni, the two, the other two? They mean again Abu Yusuf and Muhammad bin Hassan al-Shaybani. What about when they say Al-Tarafani, the two ends, two sides? They mean again Abu Hanif and who? Muhammad bin Hassan al-Shaybani. La, la, Abu Yusuf is closer to Shafi'i Abu Hanifa, right? Reason is because Muhammad bin Hassan al-Shaybani is very young. And Imam Abu Hanifa is the what? The Imam of the Madhab. And he's young, so they, two call, they call him the two sides of the spectrum. At-Tarafan. Abu Hanifa and who? Muhammad bin Hassan al-Shaybani. What about when they say Ashabuna, our Ashab? They mean um, the Fuqaha of the Madhab. The Imams of the Madhab. That's what they mean. What about when they say Shamsul A'imma, the son of the A'imma? Who do they mean? Al Imam as Sarkhasi, if you want, you can say it like that, or you can say Al Imam as Sarkhasi. As Sarkhasi or As Both ways you can say it. As Sarkhasi or 
They call him Shamsul A'imma. That's what they call him. What about when they say Shaykh al-Islam? The Hanafiya, when they say Shaykh al-Islam, who do they mean? Yeah? They mean Abu Bakr Khawahir. That's who they mean, Zada. Abu Bakr Khawahir Zada. Zada. Not Ibn Taymiyyah. They don't mean Ibn Taymiyyah. That's what Ibn Abidin mentioned. That it means Abu Bakr Khawahir Zada. Like in Abu Bakr al-Qurashiyu, he said no. It means Muhammad al-Isbijani. Isbijabi, sorry. They differed amongst themselves who, who is meant. What about when they say Fakhrul Islam? Fakhrul Islam. Who do they mean by that? Abu al-Usr al-Bazdawi. Abu al-Usr al-Bazdawi is who they mean. And they have... What about when they say As-Salaf? When the Hanafiyah say As-Salaf, who do they mean? No, they don't, they, don't, they don't mean anybody else. They mean just the Imams, the early scholars of their madhab. Are you with me, brothers? They don't mean all of the Salaf. They just mean their Imams of their madhab. The early generation is who they mean, such as Abu Hanifa, Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani, Abu Yusuf, Zufar. What about when they say Khalaf? They mean the latecomers of which? Of the Hanafi madhab. That's what they say. What about when they say Muta'akhirun? Again, it's the same as Khalaf. The Muta'qadimun is the same as Salaf. What about when they say Al-Mashayikh? When they say Al-Mashayikh, who do they mean? They mean anyone who did not meet Abu Hanifa. Anyone who didn't meet. So it cannot be who? Muhammad al-Hassan al-Shaybani. It cannot be him. It can't be Zufar. And it can't be who? Abu Yusuf. And those who met Imam Abu Hanifa. That's the first one we finished. What about terms which they use in their books? About their books. About books. Like for example, when they say Al-Mabsuta. How many Al-Mabsut are there? I mentioned it before. The Hanafi Madhab, how many Mabsuts do they have? They have two Mabsut. One is Muhammad al-Hassan al-Shaybani. I just mentioned it before, brothers. Al-Aslu is also known as what? It's also known as Al-Mabsut. It's got two names. And there's another Mabsut which is written by As-Sarakhsi and As-Sarqasi. I just mentioned, he's got a kitab called Al-Mabsut. When they say Al-Mabsut, just like that, Itlaq, unrestrictedly. Which one do they mean? Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani. That's what they mean. What about when they say Al-Usul, the foundation? Al-Usul. What books are they referring to? They're referring to the six that Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani wrote, which is Zahir al-Riwayah. The six that I mentioned, which is what? Al-Aslu, Al-Ziyadat, Jam'u al-Kabir, Jam'u al-Saghir, Al-Sayr al-Saghir, and Al-Sayr al-Kabir. Are we all together? What about when they say Al-Mutun al-Thalatha? The three Mutun. When I say Al-Mutun al-Thalatha, the three Mutun, what do they mean? Number one, Mukhtasul al-Quduri. They mean Mukhtasul al-Quduri. And they mean the Wiqaya, Wiqaya al-Riwaya by Mahbubi. And the third one is, they mean Kanzud Daqaiq, written by Al-Nasafi. What about when they say the four mutun? Al-Mutun al-Arba'ah. They mean Mukhtasul al-Quduri and the Wiqayat al-Riwaya and the Kanzud Daqaiq 
and they mean the Mukhtar al-Musili. What about when they say al-Muhit? Al-Muhit. They mean by the al-Muhit al-Burhani, Burhani al-Din al-Bukhari. That's the first. That's the second. Mustalahat alati tataalaku bil kutub. That's about books and how they refer to those books. So when you hear a Hanafi say al-Mutun al-Thalatha, am al-Mutun al-Arba'a, am al-Mabtut, you should know what it means. Okay, now we're gonna look at the last, which is mustalahat al-Tarjihi wal-Ara, when they want to strengthen opinions. If a Hanafi says to you, "Wa'ind Abi Hanifa." According to Abi Hanifa, what do they mean by that? They mean this is the madhab. They mean this is the madhab. What about when they say, so pay attention to this, عند Abi Hanifa and وعن Abi Hanifa is two different things. Does that make sense? وعند Abi Hanifa and وعن Abi Hanifa is two different things. وَعِنْدَ أَبِي حَنِيفَةَ means this is the قول in the mad- this is the madhab this is what the madhab is like when they say وَعَنْ أَبِي حَنِيفَةَ they mean this is a narration from him it's a rewire from Abi Hanifa it may not necessarily be the madhab we'll look together brothers okay what about when they say وَعَلَيْهِ الْعَمَلْ وَعَلَيْهِ عَمَلُ الْأَئِمَّةَ this is the action of the أَئِمَّةَ وَعَلَيْهِ عَمَلُ الْأَئِمَّةَ what do they mean by that they mean ijma'ul mutakhirin. It's the consensus of the latecomers. The mutakhirin, this is ijma' amongst them from the scholars of the Hanafiyyah. What about when they say alayhi al-fatwa? The fatwa is based on this. The fatwa is based on this. What do they mean? They mean that this opinion is the strongest and this is what the verdict should be given on. This is the strongest opinion. That's what they mean by it. Halafiya. Is there a difference between asah and sahih? Is there a difference? Are you with me, brothers? And this is one of the things I want to stop you all at. Which I really want to point on. And this is sometimes what happens to some people. Right now, what, are we, what am I explaining to you? Terminologies that are used in what? The madhab, right? Sometimes some people, what they do is, and it's sad reality, is that this will divert them from learning what? The terms that are used in the Quran and the Sunnah. That's what's more important. The general text, the specific text, the restricted text, the unrestricted text. You get it, brothers? If you spend your whole life learning these terms, all you've learnt. You, now it's good to understand it To use it as a stepping stone As a wasila, As a means Like in some people they make it This is the gaya It's the objectives This is not an objective What's my objective? Huh? My objective is the Quran and the Sunnah brothers Isn't that the case? I want the Quran and the Sunnah I'm using this as a stepping stone To get to what? To get to the Quran and the Sunnah. So if you actually spend your whole life learning this as though it's the ultimate goal, nothing after it, then you'll never get to where 
to ever go to the Quran and the Sunnah. Right, brothers? Does that make sense? So it's important to learn it, but to learn it as a means. To understand these books when you read it. But to know that there's something after that. So, Hanafiya al-Asah and al-Sahih seems to be the same for them. It means seems to be, it means seems to mean the same to them, which is um, the same. Also, al-Mu'tamad. What does al-Mu'tamad mean? It's the speech that's given precedence to. Also, they use the term al-Awjuh wal-Azhar. When they use that, they mean that this is the most apparent. That's what they mean. They also say, urf. This is how the custom is. What do they mean by this? They mean the custom of that particular time. And inshallah ta'ala, we will conclude there. Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me, shaytan, and Allah and His Messenger are free from it. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik, ashadu an la ilaha illallah, astaghfiruka atubu ilayh. Any questions? You guys have a good understanding of the Hanafi Madhab now? Yeah? You do? Or are you confused? I'm not even good with the Madhab. That's not, this is not my Madhab. This is actually the, the Madhab I learned the least from. The least. I think I only done one kitab on it, Mukhtasul Quduri only. Naam. Huh? He was the last? Huh. So. Naam, it's true. Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, less traveled. But why would he travel a lot when the Khilafah was in Kufa? See, this is where everything is. Everyone's coming here. The overwhelming majority of scholars are here. Ibrahim al-Nakha'i, Al-Qamah. Are you with me, brothers? Kibaru ahli al-ilm, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud is here. Are you with me, brothers? So Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah ta'ala, the concept of traveling necessarily. He did travel, of course. Like in, yes, compared to the other three, yes, he's least traveled. As for his position in hadith, la shakka wa la raib, the strongest opinion is that he was weak in hadith. He was what? He was weak in hadith. But that doesn't take away from him the fact that he was a faqih. And this is something that shows us, brothers, what does it show us? It shows us a concept that we all need to take with us, which is you may not necessarily be good in one thing. Allah may not have opened this door for you. But there are other things that you can be a strong master in. Are you with me, brothers? You all know the Imam uh, Asim, صح? You know Asim? You all know who Asim is? Who's Asim? He's the teacher in which Hafs, the riwayah that you read the Quran on, Hafs took from who? Shu'bah took from who? 
The two students, Hafs and Shu'ba, they took from who? Asim was weak in hadith. What was he weak in? He was a hujja in the Qiraat and the Quran. Are you with me, brothers? There was a book one time I read on the air, I read it in the airport. It's called Sanif Nafsak. Put yourself in a category. I love this book. We read it, it motivated me a lot. The reason is because it tells you learn which field that you like the most, which field you enjoy the most, which field you think you can do something in it and go into that subject. Are you with me, brothers? So the book, what it does is it gives you imams who are proofs and strong in a field and weak in another field. Huh? Are you with me, brothers? It brings you great imams that were strong in something but weak in other things. So it's not... There's very little you find somebody who's, a, who's an all-rounder. Are you with me, brothers? Like whatever he spoke about, he was, that was it. It's really little. So within the knowledge of the religion, look for something that you're strong in and go towards that. Go to? Go towards it. Just one thing I just want to say. So just because Abu Hanif was weak in hadith, he, he was strong in fiqh. And there were scholars who were strong in hadith, but they were weak in? They were weak in? Just because a person has the hadith doesn't mean that he can extract ruling from it. Are you with me, brothers? It's a little Allah somebody gives somebody both of them together like that. No. Weak here necessarily means that his hifd was weak in the hadith. Like he would do mistakes. And so scholars of hadith were very harsh when it came to what? Taking hadith from him. Meaning using him as a chain. They wouldn't use him. But if a hadith was brought to him, he would extract from it that which no one else can extract from it. Does that make sense? The minute he hears the hadith and it's read on him, the fiqh that he can bring out of it, no one else can bring out of it. The Prophet said, It can happen that somebody's carrying a hadith, but he gives it to somebody who's more of a faqih than him. Sahih? Who is more knowledgeable in the hadith? Al-Imam Muhammad or Imam Shafi'i? Al-Imam Muhammad. There's no dispute about that. But what did Ahmed say? We used to curse the people of Ra'i. They used to curse us as well. We say to each other. Imagine this, Wallahi. Ahmed saying this. Hatta jalasna Shafi'i. Until we sat with who? Imam Shafi'i walked into the masjid. He saw the Ahlul Ra'i sitting in one corner. He saw the Ahlul Hadith sitting in one corner. And he said, I, Allah will unite these people together for me. And what did he do? He united them. He united, he brought them together. How did he unite them? There was something that Ahlul Ra'i had that Ahlul Hadith didn't have. And there was something Ahlul Hadith had that Ahlul Ra'i. So what did he do? Ahlul Ra'i were good with Qiyas and how to extract rulings from the evidence. صح? But they were going overboard and this is, oh, oh, they had less evidence. But the people of Hadith, they had what? The evidence. But they didn't know how to get it out. 
Are you with me, brothers? Shafi'i, what did he do? He said to Imam Muhammad, uh, if we narrate a hadith and you know it's weak, just tell us. What do you do? Tell us. If it's weak, we'll leave it. If it's correct, we'll take it. Sah? So this shows you that just because you've memorized an information, that doesn't mean you understand what you've memorized. How many kids do we know who memorize the Quran and won't do a mistake and letter will not drop? Does it mean, does it mean he's a mufassir? Does he know tafsir of the whole Quran? There's another person who doesn't know any ayah from the Quran, cannot read the whole Quran, just give it to him. He'll listen to you and he'll tell you this is what this ayah means, this is what sabunuzul of the ayah is, sah? The four Imams, no one wrote fiqh except Imam Shafi'i. No scholar from the four wrote a what? A fiqh book which they mentioned their fiqh themselves except who? He was the only one. He, 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 his one was documented in his presence while he was alive. As for Imam Malik, the Muwatta, he mentioned here and there. Are we all together? The reason is because these scholars, their sincerity reached a point where they didn't value their statements and their views. Are you there, brothers? Class. They didn't see it as that their words to be taken as a. Huh? Abi Ja'far al-Mansur, Ibn Abdul Bar mentions in the Kitab Jam'u Bayani al ilmi wa Fadli. That Abi Ja'far al-Mansur, the Abbasi Khalifa, said to Imam Malik, Malik, give me your muwatta, give me your muwatta. I will take your muwatta. And I will judge the Muslims based on your muwatta And anyone who goes outside it, I will whip them I want to arrest them Your muwatta is going to be the hukum Imagine somebody who was told that today Your words is going to be the, It's going to be the leader is going to take that Imagine that brothers What did he say? Ikhlas wallah He said no What's full of the muwatta lakin? What's, part, what's the muwatta? Ahadithu Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Malik said, no, 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 no. Why? He said, because other opinions have come to the people. That may not be in line of what I've said. Other opinions from other companions. Because remember, he took the opinions of who? Ahlul Medina. But they may have taken the call of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud min Ahlul Kufa. Are you with me, brothers? Or Abdullah ibn Abbas, which is min Ahlul Makkah. He's taken Abdullah ibn Umar, which is Ahlul Medina. Are you with me, brothers? Other views of other companions may have reached them to force my opinion. No, 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 he said, I don't like that. You know, even Abdul Barr said right after that when he mentioned it, he said, Little have we seen in Saf someone who's fair like that. Well, Imam Ahmed said, It is not upon a faqih, a jurist, to force the people on his opinion. It's an issue of fiqh. There were difference of opinion at the time of the Sahabas. The difference of opinion will not finish today. Don't force the people on your, on your opinion. So the answer to your question is, the reason why these scholars, their book, their words did not, they didn't see like divine law. And that's one of the reasons why Allah chose to value their words for them. 
Are you with me, brothers? When you don't give yourself any, who am I leaving? Forget it. Allah Azza wa Jalla, bi ikhlasika, He'll bring your words out. Sah? Shaykh Islam Taymiyyah's books were illegal, they were banned. They were thrown. Anyone who was caught at his time, Ibn Taymiyyah was arrested for having his works. Sah? Today, hey, what has happened today? It's little you read a book except you see, Qala Shaykh Islam Taymiyyah, Qala Shaykh Islam Taymiyyah, Sah? That's it. Don't really focus on whether your words are heard or not. Allah Ta'ala, if He sees sincerity and truthfulness in you, and the khair is in there for the people, because the ayah in the Quran, what does it say? فَأَمَّا الزَّبَدُ فَيَذْهَبُ جُفَاءً وَأَمَّا مَا يَنْفَعُ النَّاسَ فَيَمْكُثُ فِي الْأَرْضِ That which is filth and waste of time, and it's waste of the Muslims' brain and their time, and unnecessary, he said, she said, and the people waste their time with that. Allah Ta'ala told us, فَأَمَّا الزَّبَدُ فَيَذْهَبُ جُفَاءً That's going to go. When they die, that gets buried with them. But that which is going to benefit the people is going to what? It's going to remain, brothers. What is it going to do? It's going to remain. The khair is going to remain. And the things that's going to benefit the people is? Is going to remain. Okay, um, let's do the nahu, the grammar. <laughs> 